Well, let's begin with a question, quiz time. Do you like to wait? Ooh, let, all right, let's, let's try this uh, 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 this way. If you like to wait, please raise your hand. I don't see a lot of hands going on, uh, uh, going up out there. See, let's talk about waiting for a second. When we go somewhere or we call some service, you go to a restaurant, maybe you call a, a, you know, a credit card company or, or some vendor or something like that, we're often told how long the wait is going to be. So what do you do? Well, whether you realize it or not, you make a value-based decision, is this wait worth my time? Now, what about when the Lord tells you there's going to be a wait, and when you ask how long the wait is going to be, and you are not given an answer, what do you do? And that is the predicament that Habakkuk finds himself in here at the beginning of chapter 2, and so the title of our message today is, Watching and Waiting for God to Answer. Watching and Waiting for God to Answer. Last week, we looked at the same verses from the angle of, when our life seems to be on hold, what do we do? This week, we're going to look at how do we wait for the Lord to speak to us. What we might call painful waiting has actually been a catalyst. Do you remember what a catalyst is? Those of you students, you think, oh, high school students are like, yes, we use those in chemistry class. They're like, that's the best part of chemistry class. We pour something in and it causes a reaction. And painful waiting upon God has been for many people a catalyst for them to leave the faith. But the prophet Habakkuk is going to show us how to wait in the midst of great heartache and pain, even when there is no clear end in sight. Well, I just have to put up a little bit of a warning on today's sermon. That means that today's sermon is potentially dangerous. That you might actually have to change your mind about the way you want things and the way you are willing to wait for things. Now, before we start, you're like, we haven't started yet? No, we haven't started yet. Before we start... Uh, two important things I want us to remember. First is the importance of having a real relationship with God. Now, that brings us automatically to a soul-searching question. Do you have a real relationship with God? What do, what do I mean by that? Uh, what, I, what I mean by is, can you really be honest with God... And tell him how you feel. I don't mean does Jesus allow you to tell him how you feel. I mean will you allow it? Will you be honest with him? Will you let Jesus inside your deepest, darkest places? Will you let him inside your heart? Or will you keep him at arm's length? 
like you sometimes do with him and you do with other people. You know, as a pastor for a number of years now, I can say this. One of the reasons that people legitimately leave the faith or they are starting the process of coming, becoming followers of Jesus Christ is simply this. Jesus got too close. And that's a little weird when that happens. I, I get it. And then you eventually come to the point in time where you only want him to be close. And if he's not close, that's when you're not in a good place. This may shock you if you're just a, you know, kind of a garden variety church person. Jesus is not looking for fake Christians. Jesus wants you to trust him with your deepest fears, anxieties, and feelings. The second thing, uh, we want to grow our faith while we're waiting. We must remember who God is. And what God is like. Now, if you recall in, from Habakkuk chapter 1, the people uh, where he lived in Judea, southern Jerusalem, and the area of Jerusalem, were in repetitive, unrepentant sin. What does that mean? Basically, they said to God, we're not changing. We're not going to do, we don't care what you say. Uh, we're going to keep living the way we want to. And this had been going on for many, many years, well over a century. So it's not like you do one sin and God zaps you. He's given plenty of warnings. So Habakkuk says to God, hey, what are you going to do about this? God says, no, no worries. I'm going to send the wicked world superpower Babylonians to come, and they're going to fix the problem. And the prophet kind of says to God, okay, listen, I admit there's a problem, but your solution? Are you kidding me? I mean, what what are you you thinking of? But we go back to chapter 1, verse 12, and we saw that Habakkuk kept the character and attributes of God out in front of him. He says, chapter 1, verse 12, are you not from everlasting? So he remembered God was the eternal God. O Lord my God, my Holy One. Perhaps the most important attribute of God in all of the Bible is His holiness. Therefore, because God's eternal and because God is holy, as one of His people, Habakkuk says, we shall not die. He says, O Lord, you have appointed them, that would be the Babylonians, for judgment. So what is he saying? God is sovereign. O rock, So what does that mean? God is stable and faithful. You have marked them for correction. So what's the conclusion? God, I know you're holy. I know you're eternal. I know you're all-powerful. I know you are faithful. I know you've not abandoned us even when those savages come here. Eternally, we will not die. But that did not stop Habakkuk from questioning God about his methods. And now he's going to have to wait for the answer. So the question becomes for all of us, how does the prophet go about waiting while remaining faithful and growing in his faith at the same time? And that's what, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're not, we're glad you're here today, but that's what we want to do in times like this when we don't know what's going on, 
all kinds of opinions, all kinds of sad things happening, but we want to be faithful in the midst of this time, and actually, we want this time to help us grow in our faith. As we come to chapter 2, I think Habakkuk understands something that is absolutely key and almost completely 100% un-American. What is that? To expect an immediate answer to our questions and prayers requires less faith than waiting on the Lord. Oh, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. I think think I'm going too fast. I think some of us maybe need to write that down. In fact, I I looked very carefully at how I wrote it because I want to make sure I don't mess it up. To expect an immediate answer from God to our questions and to our prayers requires less faith than waiting on him when we don't know. The truth of the matter is this, watching and waiting for God to answer our prayers, watching and waiting for God to move in our life or in the life of others that we know is necessary to have a deep faith and trust in the Lord. But have you noticed, my American Christian friends, and those of you who've lived in this country for more than six months who've become one of us, We are an impatient people. Some of us remember many, many years ago when an invention came out. I don't remember. I'm not talking about the automobile. I'm talking about the microwave. The microwave. And you could heat up stuff really, really quickly. But now, uh, the microwave is too slow for a lot of people. Like, it's just not fast enough. Yet so often, this is the way it works. God's not like, oh, okay, I I get it, I get it, you're in a hurry. So often, God slow cooks our faith. You know, like when you have to put something in a crock pot or a cooker for all day long. They've even found faster ways now than crock pots. But God slow cooks our faith. Now, Friday... I made a promise to those of you who saw what we put on Facebook that I would do my best if we had time to put up a recipe or let you know of a recipe of mine, and I know you're all writing it right now because you want to know what this recipe is. And so uh, this recipe that I have, this thing that I cook, it goes like this. Uh, Pam has been making homemade bread. She has a uh, bread-making machine, and she hadn't used it in a while, and she broke it out, and she really loves it, and she's making all this, this bread. And so she made this new kind of bread, and she looks at me, and she says, this is going to make really great toast in the morning. And she's trying to tell me, you know, how long she puts it in the toaster for, you know, this kind of thing like that. And I said to her, I appreciate the fact that you've been making bread, but I don't toast it. I put it in the microwave. I don't have time to wait for the toaster. I got things I got to do. So I just heat up the bread in the, in the microwave. And she looks me right in the eye and she says, that's not toast, Jim. That's soggy bread. And I said, yeah, but it's fast. 
And, and she says, okay, I admit it's fast, but it's still not toast. And the reality is, loved ones, is that God is not going to microwave your faith. That's just not the way it goes. It's a slower thing. Now, some of you are like, Pastor Jim, are you that helpless? Well, get in contact with Pam about that. She's always like, what would you do without me? So as we go into chapter 2, Habakkuk tells us about how he waits. He has some things to teach us about how he waits. Now, the the illustration here is, is that he's up in a lookout tower. So is he actually, is that his job? I don't know. Is he actually in a tower? I don't know. The prophets were often called the, the watchmen uh, of the people of God, of the city. But let's just imagine that he is up there. And let's go up to the tower with him. He says, verse 1, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart, that's the lookout tower, and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Another version says, and what I should say about my complaint. In other words, how should I respond to God and the people of God because they're looking to me for answers. Now let's just stop for one second. Right? And, and this is something that's really critical to do when you read the Bible. Put yourself in the place of the people in the Scriptures. Now here, we have only two options. We can either be a Habakkuk or we can be God. Well, that's an easy one, right? We're, we're Habakkuk. So we want to remind ourselves this is a real man in a heartbreaking situation in an extremely fearful time. Sound familiar at all? And it's, <laughs> it's not easier for people in the Bible. Sometimes we read like, oh, yeah. You know, I stubbed my toe. God, what's up with that? You know, people in the Bible are getting their heads hacked off. We're like, oh, it's easy for them. They're in the Bible. No, no, no. It's not any easier uh, for them. And so, you know, we must always remember that their life is just as difficult and just as hard and in some ways harder than ours. So if you're taking notes today, there's actually five things. So you probably need a big piece of paper or you can just not take them down. It's okay. The first thing I want us to look at here, and we're going to spend almost all of our time in verse 1, so don't worry if we don't get to verse 2 for a long time. The first thing I want us to see is that Habakkuk teaches us to get alone. He teaches us to get alone. Look what he begins here in verse 1. He says, I will stand my watch and, notice this, set myself on the rampart. I'm going to set myself on the lookout tower. Now, if there was a big walled city, there would be a lot of space in between each lookout tower, so he would be alone up there by himself. So he says, I'm going to get myself up there, so it seems that he is by himself with God. And that is often the way it is when you are waiting on an answer from God. Yes, it's good to get yourself alone, but also a lot of times it can feel very lonely. Like you're the only, you don't really know what's going on, and you know, sometimes maybe you think people are tired of hearing it or people are too busy or whatever. Other times, 
in addition to being lonely, it can feel or it can seem or it can actually be very dark, very private, a time that is full of agony. Now, in a sense, think about it what it was like for the prophets. I mean, the prophets were righteous men, and it was so difficult for them because they were righteous men living in the middle of unfaithfulness. And they were crying out the message of the Lord, and people were like, what is he going on and on about? And you know, a lot of people leave the church over this. They're very, maybe they're very spiritual or hyper-spiritual, like, oh, well, the people aren't spiritual enough. Or they're thinking, um, well, they're not sold out enough. But one thing you can learn from the prophets, and you can learn from the apostles, uh, it is much more painful and much more faithful to stay than it is to quit. Did you catch that? It is much more painful. I will admit that. But it is much more faithful to stay than it is to quit because absolutely anybody can quit. It takes nothing to quit. It takes character to stay. In fact, by setting himself in the tower, Habakkuk sees waiting as a duty. He sees it as a service to God and to the people of God. And so the picture again is him up high in the tower, if you will, detached from the problem for a bit. He's looking down over the problem. And so what is he getting? He's getting what we might call the big picture view. Somehow he knew, and as you mature in the Christian faith, you will too, the best way to fight off the distractions of life, the best way to insulate yourself from a pity party is getting alone with God and not only pouring your heart out to him, but getting up high and trying to get God's point of view on everything that is going on. Sometimes we refer to this as taking a step back, laying it out before God, and then being confident that he hears and he cares. The second thing I think that Habakkuk teaches us is to be alert. Be alert. Notice he says here, and watch to see. The idea is he's alert. He's not... He's not He's not sleeping up in the tower. He's not on break. He's just, he is alert. He is watching. He's on the lookout. And then he's on the lookout for what? What he will say to me. We'll get to that in a second. But he's watching to see. It seems to me that he is carefully watching and waiting because he does not know when God is coming. He doesn't know when the enemy's coming, and he doesn't know when God is going to show up. He doesn't know when God is going to answer him. Now, American culture says this, says time is money, and that is true, and we should value time because you know what's the one thing about time? You can never get it back. Once it's here, then it is gone, and so Habakkuk does not waste time. He's faithful in his watching and waiting, 
and being faithful while we watch and wait for God is an expression of faith. Again, is he up in the tower? We don't really know. But just imagine if he is. Most of you right now have a picture in your mind of a beautiful sunny day, and he's just looking out over the mountains and saying, this is great. But what about when it's pouring, when it's raining sideways, and it's cold? Does that sound like a good job then? Oh, you say, oh, no, they have plexiglass. No, they didn't have plexiglass back then. Remember the first funeral I did when I came up here, actually the first gravesite that I did when I came up here. And I was like, oh, the gravesite, they're hard. And it was raining sideways. The, 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 the raindrops were the size of big marbles. And it was 33 degrees. <laughs> it was awful. It was awful. And not only is the, are the conditions not good, when he looks down, what does he see? He's seeing a bunch of people that are living without God. Now, for some of you, that might make you angry. For most of us that are later life converts, it absolutely breaks our heart. It's actually why we do what we do. Because we don't, we, the watching of that is so very painful for us. You know, there's a famous happy calendar. You're like, what is a happy calendar? We have a joke here at our church about the happy calendars. You know, the ones that you flip over for each day of the year. And, and the verses are only encouraging. Nothing is ever, you know, it's like, the happy, it's like the happy Bible. The happy Bible ended up being about 25 to 30% of the actual Bible. It's out of print. It didn't do so well. But the, the happy, famous happy and calendar and coffee mug verse goes like this. Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And that's a great rah-rah verse. That's a great one to you know, get the team to, to go. And the, but the soul-searching question in that becomes, how long are you, how long am I willing to wait on the Lord? Because we, we act like, in America, we act like, oh, we, yeah, we got five minutes. Come on, Lord, bring it. We're ready. But I also remember what, having taught through the book, what Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 30, 18. He said this, therefore the Lord will wait. Well, why will the Lord wait? That he may be gracious to you. And therefore he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Hmm, very interesting. Blessed are all those who wait for him. True faith realizes that sometimes God is silent for a very, very long time. If you turn to the very end of the Old Testament and you have, before you have the Gospel of Matthew, most of your Bibles have a blank page. Just write on that blank page if you haven't already 400 years. I mean, sometimes God does not speak for a very, very long time. And here we notice a very important concept. Not even a prophet can rush God. I mean, a lot of us think, oh, well, if I only had enough faith, if 
I only know how to talk to God the right way, if I, only, if I only had the magic words, if I only know how to put the right scriptures together, God would move, and here we see a prophet can't rush God. Because even when God's honor is at stake, he is not willing to rush his plan. How often we see in the scriptures that God ends up with egg on his face. If you don't believe me, you need to go back and read the accounts of the cross. And God did not look too good then. Why is God willing to be that way? For the good of his plan for his people. That's why, despite the circumstances, Habakkuk is determined he will watch and wait until he gets an answer from the Lord. What's going on? What are you doing? What is this plan? I don't understand. He doesn't say, hey, if you don't answer me, I'm quitting. No, 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 he's waiting. And it's important for us to see, this is a warning for all of us, that a combination of bad conditions plus a long time leave us very, very vulnerable to a spiritual attack. That's why you've got to be watching what he's doing and, and, and getting away and being alert because if you don't think about it, if you're not careful, if the same thing for me, if we get sloppy, we can become very vulnerable to a spiritual attack. And part of our problem with circumstances, and if you've been here a long time, you've heard me say this before. If you're new, then I'm, this is new for you. Part of our problem is Many of us are criminals. What do you mean? You're a pickpocket. You are, and I am at times too, a spiritual pickpocket. We give our problems to God. And as soon as we think he's turned his back, we reach into his pocket and we take that problem back. We gave it to him, but now we have taken it back. Let me ask you a question. Do you do that? Right now at home, I know there's people elbowing their spouse, going, you do that, you do that. <laughs> you do that too, you do that too. Maybe today, some of us, maybe all of us, need to return to the Lord what we already gave to Him. Now, do we still pray? Yes, of course we do. But do we carry that burden by ourselves alone? No. See, some burdens we just need to cast upon him. The scripture says, cast your cares upon him. And so maybe today there's a burden that's deep in your heart. I'm not saying stop praying. I'm not saying stop doing what you need to do. But give that burden to God. The apostle Paul was in prison. He wrote this to the Philippian church, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing. Like, Nothing? I mean, like, really? Are you kidding me? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So does that mean you're like, oh, God, thank you for these horrible problems. I really am so thankful. No, we're, we're, we're thankful for God and that he hears and that he moves and he's active in our lives. Let your request be made known to God. We, we, we put it this way. Trade your anxiety for prayer. Say, God, here's my anxiety, and I'm going I'm to trade it in. I don't want it anymore. I want to pray. And you say, oh, I do that, but it seems like I do that every day. Good. 
verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So what will happen? God will put a guard around your heart and around your mind when you give your anxieties and your requests over to him. Well, that brings us to number three. Habakkuk teaches us to, to be attentive. See, you, you can be alone with God. You can be watching all around, but you might not be focused. And you have to be attentive. We're going back to verse one now. He says, and watch to see, and here's where we talk about being attentive, what he will say to me. Notice Habakkuk has the expectation that God will speak. He's not like, well, maybe, whatever. No, no, he has the expectation that God will speak. However, there comes a, an assumption with that. If you expect God to speak, that assumes that you and I have a heart to listen. Now, being attentive and listening is very, very hard with a restless and busy heart. It's very hard because you, your, your heart is just all over the place. You're still trying to carry that burden by yourself and you can't focus. You, you can't concentrate. Odd as this may sound, and some of you are going to be like, this is just crazy. Much learning is driving you mad, Pastor Jim. Odd as this may sound, a heart to listen to God, a heart to be attentive to God is often developed in periods of painful silence. You're like, that doesn't make sense. I know it doesn't make sense, but that's just the way it works. Sometimes painful silence, being, being faithful for Days, weeks, years, decades of, of painful silence will actually help you develop a heart to listen to God. Here's the reality you may hate. While some of you, like me, you are strangely comforted by what I am about to say. Have you noticed that God is not very predictable. He's just not. Just when you think you got him down, like, I got him. I know what he's going to do. He changes the play. He changes what's going on. <laughs> like, like what, are you, what are you doing? Sometimes he shows up and speaks at the most unexpected times and in the unexpected ways. That's why... We need to be attentive. Now, usually God speaks to us this way. Usually he speaks to us through his word. Sometimes he speaks to us through our hearts. And what I mean by that is like, oh, God laid it on my heart. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is you just can't get away from it. You just cannot get away from it as much as you want to. You, for years, I knew that God had called me to be a pastor of a church. I knew it, or just a pastor. I knew it. I just couldn't get it out of my heart. 
no matter how hard I tried. I had this great business going, and I would tell people in, in, the, in the, you know, the spiritual realm, lead, pastors and elders in the churches I were at, and they're like, we definitely see it, man. We all see it. We've actually talked about it at meetings. Like, what are we going to do with you? Talk to all the people who really have American values of business and, and money and all that. They're like, what, are you crazy? Don't, no, no, that, you are not being called to that. But couldn't get it out of my heart. Another way that God sometimes does it is he does it through providence. It, it's the, the ordering of certain events in your life that are undeniably the work of God. And sometimes he puts all of those things together. And you're like, man, but, it, but if you're not attentive to what God is saying, not what you are thinking, not what you want, but to what God is saying, you could very easily miss it. So that actually produces a tension in us. We trade our anxiety for prayer, we, as we said earlier, yet we still face the problems. We just don't wash our hands of things. See, sometimes when God speaks, people think, oh, that means everything's going to be easy. No, 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 no. Just look at the guys in the Bible. Just look at Jesus. Just look at the apostles. You see, when God speaks to you, that does not mean there won't be obstacles. Well, actually, when God speaks, there will typically be obstacles, and your reaction to those obstacles will actually let you know if God actually did speak to you. And your reaction to those obstacles and your desire not to complain or quit or whatever, but your desire to push through those obstacles, and sometimes you have to endure some really painful, uh, you know, constructive criticism from people who are further along than you, but that will let you know, you're pushing through, will let you know if you are really yielded to the Spirit, you are being empowered by Him and letting Him work in and through you. And a lot of times, what God initially lays on your heart is, is going to change, but he, he does certain things to get you into the place where He wants to get you. The key to the obstacles is to be looking for God to answer in ways that you may not expect. That requires you and I to be faithful and to be flexible, but not being flaky. Did we get that? We're faithful, we're flexible, but we're not flaky. Let me say that a different way. Uh, faith does not mean we do nothing. It means that we stay faithful and serve the Lord while we are waiting on the Lord. We often say waiting is what we do while we're waiting for God. But there's another side to that coin. At some point, we may come to the end of ourselves. At some point, we may come to the end of our resources. There's nothing more that can be done. And at that point in time, we're really only left 
with what sounds trivial, and, and we give such lip service to it, but is so important, we're only left with trusting the Lord and prayer. We're only left with trusting prayer. Notice I didn't say faith. That, that word is just, I, it's just bantered around too much. It's, it's kind of lost its meaning. But we have to trust the Lord. In time, as you and I trust the Lord, as you and I wait upon the Lord, you will notice that it will begin to produce in you a quiet patience. And that quiet patience will often produce in you a determined perseverance. Did you catch that? A quiet patience, trusting the Lord, and you don't know what's going on. You, 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 every ounce of you wants to quit or give up, but you're like, no, Lord, I'm going to be like Habakkuk. I'm going to hang in there. I'm going to have a quiet patience that will often produce in you a determined perseverance. That takes us to number four, be adaptable. Habakkuk teaches us to be ad adaptable. A determined perseverance led him to say this at the end of verse 1, and what I will answer when I am corrected. Notice he doesn't say, if I'm corrected. He says, when I'm corrected. Fundamental thing, Christianity 101. When you disagree with God, you're wrong. <laughs> okay, that's it. Now, I've been at this a long enough time to know I've had to learn that the hard way a lot of times. I just saved some of you about 10 years of your life. You don't know it, but I just did. See, too often we wait on the Lord and fall away when the answer, or people, too often people wait on the Lord and fall away when the answer is not what they want. Not Habakkuk. Faith is in a lot of different things, but one thing faith is, is faith is coming around to the way God sees things. And you will never know that if you don't study the Scriptures. I'm not saying you have to be a Bible geek, but, but you got to have some understanding. That's why you're doing a good thing today. You're watching this. You're learning things about God, the way God is, not the way you want him to be or some other people want him to be. So faith is coming around to the way God sees things. Faith is not, not, not expecting God to come around to our ways. People think, well, I'm just going to change his mind. Now, what I'm about to say next is if you have a cup of coffee in your hand right now, you might want to put it down. And uh, we often say here in the church, I always say, you might want to reach to the side of your seat for the seatbelts, and you might want to strap in. Here is a big problem. Big problem. Because we're not adaptable to God's ways. Quite often, people will say this, I just want to know what the Lord's will is. Or I just want to know what the Lord is saying. When in reality, we already know. We just didn't like it. 
Did you hear that? We say we want to know, but deep down, some of you right now are going, oh, that was below the belt, Pastor Jim. We say we want to know, but we already do know, but we just don't like it. God is faithful, and he calls his people to be faithful even when we don't know or we don't agree with his ways. We said earlier that the Lord wants us to be honest with him, but he also wants us to be humble, he wants us to be teachable, and he wants us to be willing to change. He wants us to be adaptable. That's ultimately where God is taking us in watching and waiting. And the truth is, will we trust the Lord enough to be willing to change? Will we trust the Lord enough to be willing to let him change us? You see, we said in chapter 1 that Habakkuk felt there was injustice all around him. Man, the way the people were living was awful. The Babylonians, them coming, that is absolutely awful. But his mature wisdom, his faith and trust is seen in his response to the word of God when he disagrees with the Word of God. You see, he understands something that we say around here a lot. He understands this. He doesn't know what he doesn't know. And when it comes to the plans of God, we have to understand that we know the, the, the cross and the resurrection. We know Jesus is going to return. And much of what happens in between much of what happens to us individually in the lives of those we love in our country, we don't know what we don't know. You say, what, what good could come of all this? We don't know. Notice when things were not going his way, he didn't walk off the job. He didn't say, that's it, I'm out of here. He didn't quit. He stayed at his post. He was awaiting orders. That included how he could speak to others about the situation, another fruit of those who watch and wait well. Well, that takes us to number five. So we said we get, Habakkuk teaches us to get alone with God, to be alert, to be attentive, to be adaptable. Number five is a little longer, to be ready for the appointed time to be ready for the appointed time. Now, verse 2 and 3 will go quickly. We covered it last week. Uh, if you missed it, again, go back and listen online or contact us if you need a CD. We want to get that message into your hands. It says this, verse 2, Then the Lord answered me and said, so this is God's second answer to him in the book, Write the vision, write down what I'm going to show you, and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Verse 3, for, that word often means because, for the vision is yet, another verse says, awaits for an appointed time. So there's an appointment for what's going to come to pass. But at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. 
What's God saying? This is going to go, it's going to happen. I'm not lying to you. The Lord continues, though it tarries, another version says, if it seems slow, very important, wait for it. Wait for it. Don't, Don't sit around doing nothing. Be faithful. Serve God. But wait for it because it will surely come It will not tarry. Now, you're like, but it's taken a long time. No, that that means it won't be late. It's running right on time. (laughs) Loved ones, please, let me explain this to you. I'm preaching to myself right now as much as I'm preaching to you. You can wait. You can wait. Why can you wait? Because you have the confidence to know what he says here, because it will surely come. There is an appointed time. The most important thing here for you and for me is to be ready for the appointed time. For them, it was either death or the first coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. For us, it is to be ready for the appointed time, which is either death, it could be God speaking, but death, ultimately it's death or the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, you think of all of the horrors of history, and yet the plan of God, the good news of Jesus Christ, continues to move forward until the time. Where are the prophets? They're gone. Where's Jesus? Seated at the right hand of God. Where are the apostles? They're gone. And the Word of God, and the people of God, and the power of the Spirit of God keeps moving and moving and moving until the appointed time. For followers of Jesus, that does not mean you will never be disappointed along the way, but it does mean that ultimately you and I will not be disappointed. Being a follower of Jesus means walking by faith, not by sight, according to the Lord's timetable. That's his part. Our part is what? Patient, faithful trust. Sadly, impatience with God's timing has caused many people to walk away from the God whom they once loved. Sadly, impatience with God's timing has caused many people to walk away from the church, the people of God they once loved. Do you know that God is a God who would not ask you to do things that he wouldn't do? Even Jesus Christ, God become a man, had to wait. He lived in obscurity for the first 30 years of his life. And then for the next three, when he stepped onto the stage of human history, many times in his ministry, he made this statement. My time has not yet come. He was waiting for his time. What does a follower of Jesus do until then? The answer is in verse 4, which we'll look at next week. The just shall live by his faith. Now, I know it's a holiday weekend, and some of us will be going places. Most of us won't be. But did you know that that is one of the most important verses in the entirety of the Bible? By the way, if you don't understand what it means then in reality, you don't understand 
the Christian faith. So whether you can watch next Sunday at 10 or you can tune in another time, that is a critical message for you to hear and to understand. You say, well, I understand that. You have to be able to explain it to other people. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you might be wondering, uh, what's the point of Jesus' pain and suffering on the cross? What's the point of that? What is God waiting for? We saw it in Isaiah 30. He said, therefore, the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. What, what, what is he waiting for? Well, let me just, just tell you a, cu- a couple of the problems that we have with, with God. One is with his delays. It's a plan. It's, it's running right on time. And 2 Peter 3.8 says, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and as a thousand years as one day. Some of you are like, that explains a lot. <laughs> that explains a lot. But the next verse, he says this, 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord is not slack, some versions say slow, concerning his promise, as some count slackness or slowness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish. When the Scripture speaks of that, it speaks of hell. But that all should come to repentance. That all should come to be willing. Repentance is what? To turn from your ways to God's ways and to stop trusting in yourself. Oh, I'm a good person. That's trusting in yourself and putting your trust in Jesus. You see... God is not slow. God is is waiting. Isaiah said it. Peter said it. My dear non-Christian friend, part of God's plan has involved him waiting for you. He is waiting also for the appointed time. Hebrews 9.27 says this, And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. He's waiting. He's giving you the opportunity to change your mind, to turn from the way you're going to him, to be willing to give up certain things that you know you need to give up to turn to him and to put your trust in Jesus Christ. We said earlier that it's fair to say the most important attribute of God is his holiness. And to make heaven, it tells us in both, God tells us in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, be holy, for I am holy. Jesus put it this way in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 48, therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. You might say to yourself, how in the world is that possible? How in the world is that possible? You see, we throw this word gospel around and sometimes we assume it more than we speak it. And the gospel or the good news, that's what the word gospel means, good news, when, when a... a, a a kingdom would win a a, a big battle, they would come into a city and they would yell out the the gospel, the good news, that the the soldiers were returning home and they had won in battle. 
the good news of the gospel is this, and it starts actually with a wonderful thing that God created the world. But then the news goes bad. God tells us how to live in this world, and it's like we decided we were going to do everything except what he said. And so we sinned. We were not holy. We were not perfect. And so God has this problem. Remember, Isaiah told us that that he is a God of justice. So what does he do for people who violate the laws of heaven? Well, in his great love, he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was holy. He was perfect. And he lived a perfect life, 24-7 trusts in his heavenly Father, never sinning. He lived a perfect life in your place and in my place. And instead of us undergoing the justice of God for our sins, he did on the cross. It should have been you and me on that cross, the judgment of God. But Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And to prove that God was satisfied with everything Jesus had done, he raised him from the dead. And Jesus has now ascended into heaven. He is seated in the right hand of God, the place of honor. And God has promised that anyone who will believe this message, that anyone who will trust that Jesus did it all for them, that he will give you a full pardon. God will give you the forgiveness of sins, and he will adopt you as his own child, and give you eternal life in heaven. When that happens, and we're going to talk more about that next week, critical to understanding more about this. Jesus takes your sin upon him on the cross, and he takes his holiness and his perfection, and he puts it upon you. Why would he do that? Because for Jesus, you were worth dying for. Because for Jesus, for heaven, for all of us who want the Lord to come back right away, but we want more people to join us in heaven, you were worth waiting for. And so the question becomes this. Is today the day when heaven's waiting for you is over? Is today the day you want to become a citizen of heaven? And for the rest of us, is today the day we will commit ourselves just for today and then for tomorrow and then the next day that we're going to trust ourselves and watch and wait for our God and his son, the Lord Jesus. Well, let's pray.